Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of Directions University and the Co-Founder of Divizio, D-U-V-I-S-I-O, at Divizio.com. We've got another fantastic show lined up for everybody today. We've got my co-host, Jack Humphrey, the co-founder of Divizio, the affiliate network for all niches, and the associate dean at Directions University. Hello, Jack. Hello. And how was your holiday weekend? Far too short. (laughs) Really, I think we need just one more day. One more day, and I would have wished for another day, so I guess it has to end at some point. Well, how nice that we're on fall break here at Directions University and Divizio, and we really have no call scheduled the whole week other than this one. Yes, that is nice. Oh, gosh, I was just thinking, wow, thank you for telling me. I I thought we had a bachelor's call after this. (laughs) Excellent. We don't. I mean, I love my bachelor's and all, but it's nice to have a break. It really is. Four times a year. So great. Anyway, so who is our guest today, Jack? Well, it was someone, and now it's someone else. (laughs) I'm uh, looking and seeing that it's Lou Bertone, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. Lou, are you here? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hi. Great. I'm just getting a little less confused as we go on here. As you can tell, it's playing out right here on live radio. Uh, I'm going to give you a little introduction, and we'll get started. How's that sound? Great. Thank you. Okay. Lou Bertone is the godfather of video with over 20 years of experience in the TV business and 10 years as an online video marketing expert. From private one-on-one consulting to group coaching and workshops, Lou's got exactly what you need to make you an online rock star. For innovative and creative, profitable video marketing results, turn to the best in the biz. How's that, Lou? Was that a good introduction? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I'm trying to remember who who wrote that, but <laughs> that's. <laughs> I just totally made it up off the top of my head. I I try oh, to be a, as accurate as I can. It's uh, just a thing I do. <laughs> so how are you? Good. It's good to talk with you, even though I'm as confused as you guys because it is Tuesday, right? It's not well, not it's not Monday because of our holiday in the U.S. Yeah, man, and but it's still effectively Monday because I'm doing all my Monday stuff and my Tuesday stuff today. So. Yep. It is really kind of strange. I I, I almost, uh, I was like, wow, I was going off of yesterday's schedule like I think most people do after a break like that, Mm -hmm. and uh, realized, hey, a radio show, got to go do that. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you into these days? What what makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning in your business? Wow, there's so much fun stuff going on. Um, Just the whole situation and scene with video marketing and how it's really taken off and there's... Uh, it seems like there's a new platform or a new toy to play with almost every day with Blab and Periscope and all these new video streaming services. 
We were just complaining about that last week. I actually said last week, uh, I wish we could have like a one-month or a five-day moratorium on all new stuff so we could all get used to and actually get something out of the stuff from last week. Right. We were talking about Lab and Periscope. I was a little frustrated with it. I've changed my mind since then, but at the moment I was like, man, I, I'm still like really loving Hangouts. Why, why mm-hmm. is everybody moving on so quickly to everything else? But I can understand in your business, it is your business to know this stuff. So uh, I, like, I like getting around people who uh, make it their business to know this so I, I can cheat off of you and know where I really need to go <laughs> and what I really need to pay attention to. I know it's crazy. It's it's hard to keep up with, and um, sometimes it makes your head spin. And I'm usually like, oh no, not again, not another one. But but I do try and at least yeah. dip my toes in the water to see what everybody's buzzing about. So what's uh, what's exciting? I I was just getting into just thinking about maybe I'll do some periscope stuff, and then this blab thing happened. And I'm like, wait a minute, we didn't even have five seconds to check out periscope, and now blab, and now everybody's saying that's the second coming of Hangouts, and I, you know, it just gets confusing. What do you, uh, what do you recommend to people when they're marketers and they have mm-hmm. all these billions of choices? It's not like back in the old days. We had like a forum, and right. uh, we were on AOL or something, and, mm-hmm. and we really only had like three ways to like promote ourselves, and that was it. And now it's, it's. I wonder sometimes if it's as bad as before, because it's like a deer in the headlight scenario. You don't know what to do, and you hear people being excited about stuff. But you don't know if that's going to translate into exciting things for your business. It might be for theirs, but not yours. How do you help people right. get a handle on that? I know it's really overwhelming, and it's sometimes um, difficult to keep up with all the new stuff. I mean, I, sometimes I kid and I say, I'm just going to put you know, six cameras on me and have a different one on each platform so I make sure I'm covered. Um, yeah. Short of getting you know six iPhones and using six different platforms, I think it's really a matter of, of people finding their their video sweet spot. I mean, you know, if if Hangouts is working for you and you like doing Hangouts, that's great. If uh, you want to, you know, test the waters with Blab or Periscope, you can try those. I think um, with each new uh, iteration or each new tool, uh, it's really just getting easier to be on video. I mean, with Blab and Periscope, you, you pretty much just, you know, fire up your iPhone and go. So I think one of the advantages is that you know, it's just gotten a lot easier. So I think at this point it's kind of, you know, fool around with a few different platforms, find the one that you're most comfortable with, and go with that. Just find your sweet spot and say, you know what, I'm going to use, uh, I like Hangouts, it's working for me, I'm going to keep using that. Because it's really all about connecting with your audience. At the end of the day, you know, the platform is just a conduit, and the, and the real important part is connecting with your audience. Yeah, I watched uh, Joel Com recreate himself once again. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the last month on Blab, and really, he was he. I think I think he put out a thing on Facebook asking everybody what he should do next. Mm-hmm. I think I remember that. It might have been him. It might have been somebody else. I'm thinking it was him. And he actually was like, I mean, I know what I think I might want to do, but I'd like to hear from you guys. What do you want me to do next? And mm-hmm. it seems that he found his answer. I don't know if it came from someone else or if it was just something he finally decided on, but he's just got this full-blown show on Blab now. He's getting like 400 live uh, viewers at a time, which is sort of record-breaking or something around there because I've seen yep. some others and I've seen like 12 viewers. 
And uh, he's interviewing celebrities, um, former reality TV stars, all kinds of stuff. I saw that. And he's that. sitting there with his microphone and everything else that he already had and just mm-hmm. completely reinvented himself with the tools he already had, adding just the blab thing. And uh, it's the Joel Com show. All of a sudden, we have a new show, and he yeah. seems really excited about it. And he's, you know, his excitement, I think, is what translates into that connection with the audience that you're talking about because right. he's really technically not connecting with an audience he ever had before. I'm mm-hmm. looking there, and I'm seeing a lot of different people that Joel, I don't think, has ever connected with before, which is probably delightful to him yeah. because he's, he's reaching a new market and, and broadening his brand out there. So I yeah, thought that would be a really thing. good example to bring up of, you know, if you're going to adopt something, do it because you feel like you're going to love it. And he really mm-hmm. just fell in love with that tool, so much so yeah. that he said some derogatory things about Hangouts even. And I'm like, well, that's great. If Hangouts wasn't important, <laughs> you wouldn't even think to compare the two, right? But, right. you know, I mean, he's really finding his own thing again. Uh, and I think that's really cool. It's a video stuff and this new, new new things that come out. Some people are using that to reinvent how they mm-hmm. connect with their audience uh, on a new platform. It is. It's a great opportunity. And, and Joel has definitely been one of the trailblazers. And, and the nice thing about that is that there are going to be folks who dive in you know, um, head first and really kind of um, vet it out and test it out. And, um, you know, they're they're blazing the trail so that we can all say, oh, you know what, that's working for Joel, maybe it'll work for me. Or, or you know, he's kind of um, gone through the, the testing phase for us. Now we can jump in and just um, start broadcasting. So um, we're fortunate to have folks like that who, who are willing to jump into these new platforms and uh, kind of give him a test drive. But again, the nice thing is it, it is a way for him to connect with some new people and some other folks that are using that um, that may not be on Hangouts or they may not be um, you know, do, watching more traditional means of, of streaming video. Yeah. Well, you're a folk like that too, aren't you? Don't you kind of put yourself on that chopping yeah, block I, and going, I, I you know, I want to jump into this because people like follow like you to... <laughs> I was just, just going to say people follow you to find find that out like what what's he up to what's he doing so right. maybe there's something in here for me to check out oh absolutely i i jumped on the bandwagon and i'm uh putting a, a little uh, virtual summit together called blabapalooza so i'm getting the you know the experts like i've asked joel and denise wakeman and and andrea vall and other folks who you know are, are smarter than me <laughs> to help us figure it out together because when i'm when i see something new like this i want to look at the folks that are trying it and that are doing it and say, okay, you know, how, tell the rest of the world, is this worthwhile? Is it just another flash in the pan? How can we use this? And most importantly, how can we use it to build our business rather than just sort of a, a bright, shiny object? Well, don't tell the experts, uh, the people you called smarter than you, but you're actually the smartest one in the room when it <laughs> comes to this because traffic-wise – each one of these experts is doing something separately. So you have to be in their vortex. You have to be in their circle mm-hmm. of influence to even know about it. And they're four separate people, so you could be in Joel's, but you would totally miss out on the three other people mm-hmm. and, and not know about them. There's only one place that you can find all four, and that's your Blabapalooza. So you're yes. actually using their expertise, and they're getting exposure for it and everything, but the person who actually gets the most is, from, is, is you, who's got Joel talking about you, Mari Smith talking about you, and all that stuff, everybody pointing to the hub. And, and you, that's how you've brought value to it is you've become the hub for, hey, what's Blab all about? Let's ask everybody who's already doing it so you guys don't have to mess around and wonder. That's great. Right. 
Well, hopefully a, a rising tide lifts all boats, so hopefully it's a, a win-win for everybody and we can all sort of yeah. get into it together and say, you know, all right, what's the deal with all this stuff? Um, exactly. But, yeah, it is fun kind of watching these new platforms and, and everybody sort of tripping over themselves to get to get on and see what it's all about. But I, I understand that Blab is the um, fastest-growing video platform since YouTube. So, again, I don't know, will it be here in six months? Who knows? But right now it's fun to, to watch. So then what happened to Periscope? Did it just, oh. I don't understand. Like, I don't think it's going anywhere so because much, it's, but... you know, it's so tied to Twitter. Um, and I think there are folks who are going to just, you know, prefer one over the other. It's like when you do webinars, you know, some people like go to webinar and some people like instant teleseminar. So I think it's just a matter of um, at the end of the day, they're both being used to reach people. It's, it may just be a matter of uh, personal preference or, you know, hey, I like, the, I like the interface with this or I like the Twitter aspect of Periscope or I like the, um, the fact that you can have four people on Blab. So, you know, it's really kind of um, they're similar, but again, it's really uh, different enough so that people are going to kind of find their own sweet spot. So far too early to say down Periscope. <laughs> yes, I, I think it's definitely too early to, uh, <laughs> to uh, ring the death knell for any of those. And even, you know, Meerkat, who was, on, who was around before that. Um, so I usually just say, which one has the prettiest logo? And I go with that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we all have to have – that's a great ranking system as, as, as anything because none of them are really totally, truly proven in the market yet. So we just have to see how it goes. No, it's funny. I mean, when you go, you know, I, my my way of finding out how new something is is I say, okay, I'm going to do this, um, you know, virtual summit and interview these experts, and I go to look for a Blab logo on Google, and <laughs> I can't find it. I'm like, wait, it's not there yet? Wow, this must be new. So. Yeah, or you might see some chicken scratch thing because somebody couldn't find one either, and they just made one up. So. Right. I always love those logos, the ones that look like they were drawn on a napkin. Mm -hmm. This is what their logo ought to look like, so here, it, here yeah. you go. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, there's all the new stuff. What about the tried and true stuff? I mean, you know, you can't really be the video guy talking about video and stuff without talking, like, about YouTube and about right. Hangouts and the ability to create, you know, the stuff that's really established. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I just you want to talk I mean, a little bit about that? You know, yeah, the, the, I mean, the, YouTube's the, not going anywhere. They're, they're um, just getting bigger and bigger every day with more and more videos. And, uh, again, you know, you, you see YouTube celebrities popping up everywhere. And, and we may not, in our business, you know, we may not um, be the next Psy um, with Gangnam Style and a billion views, but if we can reach our target market and our audience uh, through YouTube, it's an excellent way to do it because it's very personal and engaging. And at the end of the day, it's still a great way to tell a story to your prospective audience. So I'm still you know, using YouTube quite a bit. And the nice thing about YouTube is you can sort of use that as your video hub and then share your videos to other platforms like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Pinterest from YouTube. So it's a nice hub and a nice sort of um, video headquarters, if you will. And it's still free. And it's also a really nice free transcription service as well. Exactly. I don't know that it, it doesn't really get my Boston accent down too well, but um, aside from that. Yeah, think, well, and it might get it too well because if it gets too phonetic on you, that's that's not the word that you said. But, I mean, still, you gotta you got to love the ability. Like, that's one of the programs that I'm starting uh, as soon as I can is mm -hmm. to take all of these traffic masters and put a, 
a couple of slides or something on it and upload it as a video to YouTube so that I can get them just transcribed and uh, and use those snippets everywhere because you know as you know if you do a video or you do any kind of content mm -hmm. most of the time everybody just does one round of promotion on it it's like hey everybody at Facebook Twitter Pinterest right. uh, LinkedIn and, and Google I just did this thing and then whoever is paying attention at that moment in history will see it and decide whether or not they want to click or whatever and that's it and then, exactly. and then whatever happened right there may or may not have influenced Google to put you in the top ten for personal results or even universal results. And mm -hmm. you might get some trickle of traffic off of a keyword that Google thought that was important. If you only do that first round of promotion, though, that's it. That's, that's right. all there can And most of us are so busy, you, all your clients and you as well are so busy, you're off to your next thing after you've done a round of promotion. So I'm yep. thinking of ways of using content leverage and, uh, and, and trying to repurpose everything. How many ways can we slice and dice this up until we are so sick of it, and as soon as we're <laughs> really about ready to put a noose around our neck, the world is just beginning to understand that you have this thing. And, and a lot of people don't understand that, so they keep creating new content, thinking mm -hmm. that it must be the new content thing that's actually going to get them traffic when it's not. Anymore, you know how you used to have to publish or perish and had yep. to put a blog post up every day if we could. That doesn't work anymore. That's not in Google's algorithm anymore. Mm -hmm. That 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 they want you to camp out on a piece of content and show just how many people in your world, in your niche, in your demographic can possibly be moved to interact and engage with that content, and that's how they're ranking stuff. Do you uh, do you work with clients on any any issues like this? Yeah, exactly, and and I'm glad you brought that up because it's really true. I mean, I kind of almost see it as you know your videos on a merry-go-round, and if your if your audience is watching the merry-go-round go round, they may not see it until it comes around next time. Or you know, or you're standing on the uh, the banks of a river, and your videos on a boat that just went by, but you know the person wasn't on the bank of the river that time. So I I'm a big believer right. in repurposing and um, you know slicing and dicing that content to get it out there again in as many platforms as possible. Um, and I think people don't do it more because they think it's a lot of work or like you said, they, they think, you know, the, the holy grail is new content. But if you've got something really good, you really have to give your audience a chance to find it. And I always say, you know, the, the branding doesn't begin until you're completely sick of it. I mean, when you think it's really repetitive, that's just when it's starting to kick in. Um, it's a yeah. little bit like the, um, you know, the band has to play their hit song from 20 years ago because that's what they're known for. But if you don't play that at the concert, they're going to be disappointed. So you got to play mm -hmm. it, and you got to make sure that uh, people are there to hear it when when you play it. So uh, yeah. repurpose, 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 and it may not be as difficult as you think because again, with even with something like YouTube, you know, you can take that video and and send it to Facebook as well, or, or uh, tweet it out a few times, or put it on your website or blog, or make you know, a 30-second version of it from the three-minute version that you had on YouTube. Yeah. Well, and I always like to tell people, you know, with your one-hour things, like we're on a one-hour thing now, or you might have a hangout that's typically an hour or, or even longer, or even your 30-minute stuff, yeah. that's one form of content and you have to think of it that way. I have a 30-minute version of this awesome content. Well, there's a lot of yep. people out there who don't have 30 minutes. There's a lot of people out there who look at that stuff at the time and may, may sometime in the future have time to go back to the, 30, the whole version, mm -hmm. but that, that's their choice. And if they feel too busy, but you have a three-minute version, it's like, wow, 
Okay, so that three minutes was really stellar. So if you take the three minutes that were most impactful, like the question you answered today, mm-hmm. uh, Lou, you're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut that out, and then that that everybody's like, oh my God, if the rest of this thing is like that, and they don't know, that might have been the best piece, it might have not been the best piece, it depends on mm-hmm. them and their reaction to it. But if you got them to listen to three minutes, it's just like copywriting. Your headline is just to get people to the subhead, and the subhead is just to get people to the first paragraph. And, the, and people don't understand that when they're first new to copywriting. Every piece of content you put out is just a stepping stone to the next thing you want them to do. And so if the stepping stone is too big, and literally they're walking up steps and the step is six feet tall, they can't get up that thing. And <laughs> yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you have a 30-minute video and they're running to catch a bus or something, <laughs> they can't do that. So they blow it off and it's like, wow, I'll save it for later. And we all know how that goes, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have like a one billionth of a percent of those people actually coming and coming back because there's new content all the time. But if you yeah. have a three-minute teaser and it was the best of that little segment of content, then that will make them go, all right, well, I'll watch this on the bus. I will, yeah. I will figure out how I'm going to be able to actually do this now. They'll make the time for it. But just putting it up isn't enough of an impetus for them to go, well, I mean, I like these guys, I like their show and everything, but I can't do this. And if there's a teaser on it that makes it imperative that they have to go, now you just got somebody to listen that was never going to listen to the show. Even if they're one of your best listeners, they're going to wait till next week's show. Yep, give them the Cliff Notes version and um, you know, tease them with a little of the best content and maybe they'll dig in and, and give you a little bit more. And, well, do you have um, any examples of, of stuff like this when you were, when you're working with clients or your a project that you've done mm-hmm. uh, where you really were able to sit down and take the time to do all of your own best practices and you were really proud of the result? Do you have any examples <laughs> like that? Yeah, I mean it's it's different with each client because they all have different goals, but a lot of times they just want to establish uh, a beachhead or a presence on YouTube and start to share their content and you know make a, a a big impact and get a lot of videos on YouTube uh, in the shortest amount of time possible. So what I often recommend, this is my little uh, ninja trick, is I do uh, or I recommend that they do quick little Google Hangouts with no audience, really just using the Hangout as a means to record a video and get it onto YouTube quickly because your Hangout um, will go back to your YouTube account. So if you do quick little 30-second to one-minute tips, and you do a bunch of those, say, you know, a dozen of those, um, and you do them via Hangout, uh, in really short order, you're going to have a dozen quick little videos on YouTube, separate little, each separate little video. So that's going to give you um, a good head start on YouTube. It's going to give you good content, nice and short content, so that people can kind of get a taste of what you offer without having to dig too deep. And the other thing that's nice about those 30-second, one-minute video tips that you can do for your niche is that more than 50% of videos are now being viewed on mobile devices. So those are short enough that you can watch them in line at the bank or um, you know, not in the car while you're driving, obviously, but, but in any number of places while you're on the go um, via mobile. Nice. I think I saw the most extreme example of that uh, in a campaign that Tony Robbins ran for quite a while. He might still be doing it, but I haven't seen. Uh, but it was just 15-second videos. Someone mm-hmm. was pouring through all of his archives, which there's just a, you know 10 terabytes of stuff since his <laughs> career started, all been filmed and everything else, and they're just picking out really neat things that he said, little things that would fit in 15 seconds. 
Wow. Can you imagine the person that got paid to do that editing job because well. it just was just <laughs> slice, 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 slice. But it was extremely smart because he could yep. get in front of people very quickly and not make any demands at all of them because you can mm-hmm. watch the video right on Facebook. So it's like click and watch, and it's only 15 seconds. It didn't take 15 minutes to buffer or anything. It's mm-hmm. just bam. And it's like, wow. And then the corresponding link to if you were really turned on by that, you know, and I thought, man, he must be totally, totally raking in the traffic. I saw him convert it to um, a paid campaign as well, and I'm sure it worked out really good because it's that little, you know, uh, little teaser that gets you to the next mm-hmm. thing. It's not too big of an ask for people. It's a great uh, lead magnet, and it's a great example of of meeting people where they are. So if they're in a hurry, if they're on the go, if they're on mobile, you know, you're you're basically creating content that caters to to their needs rather than saying, you know, oh, you have to come to YouTube and watch my five-minute video. It's really meeting them where they are. Yeah. You've mentioned being on mobile a few times and that obviously being a big difference than uh, lap and desktop, but um, there was a new study that came out. Yahoo uh, reported on it, and um, the, the decline continues for the amount of time people spend on their browsers on a mobile device. And it's down to an epic low of 14% of their mobile time is now spent opening up a browser and going somewhere. That means the rest of their time, 86% is spent straight directly in apps. How does that affect the video marketing that we're doing, and how can we make sure that we're still showing up on those guys' radar? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, you want to have to keep track of, you know, the apps and maybe survey your, your folks and find out, what they're doing, what apps they like, you know, it's, uh, I've got, my wife makes fun of me because I have like 200 apps on my iPhone trying to keep track of all of them, but again, you've got to meet your audience where they are, not, you know, you can't necessarily pull them to where you are, you've got to make sure that you're already there to meet them when they go to that app or when they open their favorite app, you know, that you're still part of that, so I think that's one of the reasons why podcasting is still so popular because, iTunes is so ubiquitous, it's fairly easy to find. You don't have to dig around for this stuff. You can just, you know, go to iTunes and find your favorite podcast and download it and listen to it, you know, on your on your jog or whatever. So you really do have to, you know, um, think about the way society is moving and the way that your users are using this these platforms and try and, you know, get get in front of them wherever they are. But the interesting thing I see all the time is I kind of watch my – I have twin – 17-year-old children uh, or mini-adults. And I kind of watch the way they consume media. And um, they don't really make any distinction between screens now, whether it's TV, mobile, computer, iPad. I mean, it's all just a portal to them. They don't say, let's go watch a show on TV. They may watch a TV show on the iPad or they may use their Apple TV to get on the Internet. So they're not making any distinction between the screens, and I think we have to start to think about that too in terms of, you know, we can, uh, as long as we create good content, we just need to make sure that it's, uh, it can be delivered and consumed on virtually any device. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and I the wonder, other thing, I, the other thing is they, oh, I'm sorry. I was Go just going to say, my, my kids don't watch... TV anymore. They just DVR what they like and watch it when they're ready to watch it. They're not going to say, I'm not going to sit here at 9 o'clock to wait for this show. I'm going to watch it when I want to watch it. 
Exactly. Well, yeah, we I kind think, of do a lot of that around here, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's you know, ma- I think massively is, convenient. That This is a really critical element that people over the age of, I don't know, 40 or something mm-hmm. kind of aren't getting, that it's really old school with a new technology. Yep. You don't sit around and have conversations with people that you're not interested in. Okay. Mm-hmm. If somebody's having a conversation with you about something you're not interested in at dinner, you change the conversation or you get up and you talk to someone else. Right. So the concept of having a, a choice about how you're interacting in the moment is just common. Mm-hmm. Yet, for marketing, I think a lot of people aren't really understanding that the tools, when you put your message out there, it's really important to do it in a way that is about giving the other people choices. Like I wanted to say something about the teaser videos. Yeah. And one of the things that I used to do all the time for clients, we would make teaser videos in these five formats. We mm-hmm. would do uh, how to, what not to, yeah. top three, um, most important, and then we would always do something like... Uh, You'll never guess what happened when. Mm. Okay? Those five little formulas on any topic, Yep. and it can be the same topic, made great one- to two-minute videos. And all we did was just copy tabloids. You know, exactly. those are the kind of formats. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing that we found more than – I mean, it didn't matter whether it was plumbing or health food or – it just really didn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. um uh, we did this one time for a uh, company that makes, you know, fireplaces. It sells fire uh, outdoor furniture, you know, mm-hmm. and, and fire pits and stuff. It really didn't matter. But the thing that was so cool is we found those little tiny things that many, many, many people watched them on um, mobile phones when the trend was still um, mostly desktop. Yep. And so this made us understand that that particular group really just wanted that little piece of information. Hmm. And now what I was wondering, Lou, is how? what are the tools and stuff that you're using to tie that into gathering those leads and really incorporating that into the marketing system? Because I think that's, there's two things businesses forget, and that's mm-hmm. one, make it so that people actually want to consume your information. And that's the short things, understand that people aren't distinguishing between their devices. And then two, how does that business really pull it into gather, gathering those leads or, you know, monetizing it? Right. Yeah, and that's always been the challenge with all these platforms is that at the end of the day, you have to drive that traffic back to um, a site or an area that you control. Um, so if you're on YouTube, you want to drive your traffic back to your web page or your sales page because you control the real estate there um, and not YouTube. Or if, you know, even, even with Facebook, even though you have your own profile, um, you still want to get as much of the traffic as possible back to your environment and, and your space where you control the experience, you control the environment, and most importantly, you can continue to engage that viewer so that eventually they'll become a customer. Um, I always kid this, like, well, there's no buy button on YouTube, um, which isn't exactly true. I mean, you can do ads and things like that. But, but um, if I'm getting a lot of YouTube traffic, that's great, but it's still just views. It's not necessarily purchases or other actions that I want them to take. So 
what we all have to remember is that it's great to to have all these platforms and all these sources of traffic, but at some point you've got to funnel them back to uh, your home base. So what are some of the – So I, I know exactly what you're talking about there because I had a – I did a commercial for Authority Site Center many, many years ago. I found some stock footage of a baby gorilla doing something uh, kind of gross but funny, too, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I put words to it. And then mm-hmm. I totally messed it up and said funny monkey commercial, forgetting that it was a gorilla, but it actually worked out really well because that was a huge ser- search term, monkey stuff, anything right. related. And gorilla- <laughs> gorillas were far, far less in search mm-hmm. volume. And I got two and a half million views, and wow. uh, I don't, I didn't make two and a half million dollars on that campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it just and all over the years, it's you know because it was untargeted, it was untethered to anything. Eventually, Authority Site Center became blog success, and then I never went back to the video to fix anything or, or and plus it was getting such incredibly untargeted traffic. It would have done me mm-hmm. no good to do so. Um, one of the keywords, one of the hash, or one of the uh, tags was "funny monkey commercial," and um, <laughs> and that got a whole bunch of general non-targeted people, and and like, uh, wow, you got two million views on your, I'm like, yeah, but so what? <laughs> I mean, it looks really cool and everything, but that's it. It just looks cool. It does. It had. It didn't do anything for me. So tethering that to your, what are some tactics that you use for clients and that you teach people? to make sure that people are, are getting where you want them to go after you've done all the work on the videos and got all this stuff up. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, optimizing the video with the proper keywords and, and uh, a decent description. And even on YouTube, um, the things like uh, thumbnails are huge. Sometimes people overlook that, you know, just as a, a way to sort of like a mini movie poster for your video. And the other thing you can do, um, particularly in your YouTube videos, is create annotations, and now they have something newer called cards, which are basically um, linkable overlays. So if you're talking about a video and you say, go here now, and you point to a link, you can add an annotation and link that back to your site. So now they have a way of not just watching the video, but a way of, of coming back to your site, and an easy way to click and go where you want them to go. So you've got to have those call to actions and make those clickable with annotations. So now your video is not just a passive viewing experience, it's an interactive experience where you're asking the viewer to take an action. And the the newer version of of that is YouTube's cards, which look like little pop-up ads and you can add graphics and things like that. So that's something that um, um, I'm doing with a lot of my clients is helping them get annotations and uh, YouTube cards into their videos so that you do have a way to drive that traffic back to your site. And and what kind of uh, I have two one quick one I guess is uh, they're mm-hmm. not allowing tracking links in yet are they even if they point to the site that's identified with that account I don't believe so I haven't gotten that deep into it with cards especially because it's so new um, you know we're just glad that you can say okay well during this video somebody can click here yeah. and and yeah. actually find their way back to my site or to another video or to a playlist. Um, but it's nice that you know you do have a way of getting that YouTube traffic back to your site without just you know other than just asking somebody to visit uh, a web page. Right, and if you I have to, you go to analytics with and cards and annotations both. Okay, cool. cool. I wondered do? about that. Well, that's very mm-hmm. good. <clears throat> we use a system well, Luke called Trackerly. Oh, okay, cool. That we love, love, love. 
Mm -hmm. don't know if you've ever heard of Go Try This. Go Try This is the predecessor to Trackerly. Ah. And, boy, for tracking pretty much anything you want, even QR codes, phenomenal platform. And I cool. just, it's, it's able to be set up on an unlimited number of domains. So I simply make sure that my associated website is one of the domains I have Trackerly set up on. And mm -hmm. I use tracking links with all of our annotations and cards, Jack. Week. Well, that that's exactly what I wanted to lead into the next question with, was what do you expect, what do you like to get for yourself or clients when you've got this sort of um, tether back to the site, the call to action, what kind of clicks are you liking to see uh, right mm -hmm. now or, uh, as far as on those links and once that's incorporated? Because a lot of people are like, they stop right here. They're like, wow, okay, we can put our links there. And yep. then I haven't heard anybody talk about tracking. Now we have, mm -hmm. and I'm just getting ready to hear from you. What do you expect a click ratio to be on those kinds of links for you or your clients? Uh, we haven't measured it that much yet, especially with cards because it's relatively new. But um, basically, um, we're, we're asking them for you know an, e an easy ask. It may be an opt-in or uh, a freebie or a really low price, you know, low barrier to entry offer. So we're sort of, you know, trying to go for the low-hanging fruit first. We're not asking them to make a big commitment off of a YouTube link because chances are, you know, we haven't really had a chance to engage them yet. We just want to get them into the community so that we can nurture that lead and, you know, kind of, you know, bring them into the community and bring them into the fold. Um, so obviously we're not, you know, putting out a YouTube video and saying buy this $997 product. Yeah. Well, uh, so to redirect it a little bit, what about the actual click ratio on the video itself with either of those tools or the one that was around earlier, which was the uh, annotation? Is there any kind mm -hmm. of percentage of click-through per view that you like to see? Or is there anything that you can say in your experience that people should expect if they're doing it mm -hmm. right? And I know To that be honest with you, I haven't, really, I haven't really measured it, and I'm so bad at for that. I should give myself a slap on the wrist, but... I just haven't gotten that that deep into it yet. Okay, well, I'm really curious about it because it's are, um, go ahead. relatively new to video. So, getting them on camera and creating videos and putting links in their videos is is a pretty big step in itself. Right. Yeah. However, they do. Um, one of the things I I do like are um, there is a tool called an uh, Vid IQ V I D I Q. Uh, which you can use in Chrome. It's a Chrome plugin, and mm -hmm. one of the things that people tend to overlook is that you know maybe they get lazy in their videos up and they're just excited to have it posted. But but you can really get into the keywords and do some great keyword research because if you have VidIQ set up on your Chrome browser, um, it's going to automatically tell you uh, what keywords competitors are using. So if I go to a competitor's website and uh, look at it, VidIQ is going to show me the exact keywords that that competitor is using. So I can, you know, just for research purposes, I can see, okay, what keywords are they using? Maybe this video has a ton of views, and I'm wondering, okay, how do they get that many views? Maybe it's the keywords. So I can look and see what keywords that competitor is using and decide whether or not I want to piggyback on some of those or, or you know, um, ride their coattails and use some of the same um, Keynotes, uh, keywords, or tags. 
Are you talking about, uh, okay, so you're talking about tags and then keywords like that, that you're using in the description. Uh, are you also talking about the keywords that are in the video itself? Uh, no, really when you're uploading your video, I'm talking more about um, to optimize the video, um, make sure you're putting keywords in your title, description, and tags. And, you know, obviously what, what YouTube calls tags are just your keywords. So right. um, with the vidIQ tool, uh, and there is a free version of it, you can see, okay, well, here's what um, this video has, 10,000 views, and these are the keywords they use. Oh, okay, I didn't think of that one. I'll use, you know, I should use that same keyword in my video because it's uh, similar, and obviously they're getting good traffic on that keyword. Do you think the transcript matters? Because, I mean, Google reads whatever it can, and, it, and, it, and their voice recognition is how that transcript is, not only created, but how Google mm -hmm. understands truly what's in your video. Because Google got tired of people optimizing their videos for the things it wasn't, you know. Yeah, and, keyword stuffing and uh, all that crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this is how they combat that. They know what's mm -hmm. in your video. They know what you're saying. I mean, they'll get your accent wrong and they'll get certain words wrong, but it's really quite accurate. If, if people listening have not looked at a transcript that Google or that uh, YouTube um, uh, creates for a video, go do that. Mm -hmm. It's in the more area. Most people don't yeah. even know it's there. A lot of people who create videos don't even know that their videos are getting transcribed. I know. But it's, those it's, are words. All the uh, little nooks and crannies of YouTube and all the little features that they have. And I have seen some, and I don't really do it too much with my clients, but I have seen some folks put the entire transcript of their video into the description section of their video. Mm -hmm. um, Again, I, I prefer to use that for you know linking out to other sites and things like that. But but YouTube gives you an enormous uh, amount of space for your description. So you know one of the ways you can make sure that your keywords get in there is to include the the transcript of the video in your description. Mm -hmm. Well, would it then be good advice to give to people who are creating videos? Uh, to I mean, even if you're creating on the fly stuff. To have yeah. a keyword list to make sure that you might have a way of describing something. And this isn't a bad thing. It's taught, mm -hmm. and it's a really good thing to know. Come up with your own nomenclature for things so that if right. it takes off, then everybody starts using inbound marketing, which is a totally mm -hmm. ridiculous and stupid, empty term that somebody made up at HubSpot so that they can right. own that term and get yeah. everybody else in the world talking about this thing called inbound marketing, which is nothing more than content marketing. Exactly. And uh, But now they've changed it. So there's a good reason to do that. But you might find yourself, if you're doing a video, talking in terms that people aren't using to search, when you could mm -hmm. very easily remember this is going to be transcribed, and Google knows everything that's in this video now. They don't have to rely on the title, the description, and the tags alone right. to mm -hmm. know what's in that video. They also look at the comments that people make and the keywords that are in the comments. And if the keywords are relevant to what the video says it's about and what Google knows is in the video, it ranks those higher in YouTube mm -hmm. search. So, so would, you, would you advise people to kind of think about that? And, and, uh, and how would you get them to think about how they're creating their videos knowing that every word that they say in the video itself is also search engine optimization? Right. So, yeah, you, you, you may have to avoid, you know, jargon or industry terms that are so specific that they're not going to resonate with the larger audience. Um, but it's kind of like those, you know, regional um, dialects and things like that. And that's why you should know uh, and why I like that vidIQ tool. You can see what other folks are using because you might be talking about 
soda, but somebody in a different part of the country calls it pop or a tonic or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, in New England we call it tonic. So, so just those little um, nuances uh, are important. You don't want to leave out an entire like, oh, I should have called it. Um, my video is about soda. I should have called it pop because that's what they call it in the Midwest. So it's just good to know yeah. uh, what other keywords folks are using so that you don't get you know you're, you're so close to it you may just not even think of those other ones. Yeah, I wonder if vidIQ looks at the transcript too, and not just the. Uh, I mean, if they don't, you, yeah, you're no, welcome have, to go um, and be their on biggest, the paid version. They have hero. all kinds of groovy bells and whistles that tell you watch time and things like that, which is also really important because, and you can you know you can mm-hmm. see your watch time in the uh, YouTube uh, analytics and YouTube research, but but watch time has become such an important piece of videos and ranking. Um, that you want to know, like if you can look at your videos and see, well, there's a significant drop-off at 35 seconds, maybe I ought to keep this one under 30 seconds, or maybe I should, you know, slice and dice my videos so that rather than doing, you know, one 10-minute video, I should do five two-minute videos. Yeah, all very good points. And I, I like this discussion because, like you said, there are so many nuances. We could have just called this, if we wanted, the YouTube hour with Lou because and, <laughs> I know and it would take. I mean, you could actually do a lot more than an hour, right? You you could go into all the other little nooks and crannies oh, yeah. and talk. And I think a lot of people aren't getting that. They're, like you said, your clients and we have a uh, uh, Brick Road Media does um, local uh, businesses, marketing, small business stuff, and it's the same thing. You they just want to get on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And you're so happy that you finally got them to put you know something together. Or you <laughs> went through all that. You're so tired. But the work is only just beginning. I mean, it really only should be just beginning at that point, except they're tired, they're moving on to other things, you're tired, you've got other clients. <laughs> yeah, but it's for crazy. all of you, you DIYers, you guys mm-hmm. aren't done when you get the video up. Yeah, you could spend a ton of time really getting into it and digging deep, and, and you know that's the thing. It's like, okay, well, they finally managed to get on camera and get a take that was usable, and you know, there's sort of all the performance side of it of like, okay, well, I finally got this done. It's like, oh, oh, you mean I have to go back in and do more to optimize it, and I have to actually promote it and share it, and, you know, so, yeah. so it's not like uh, the old, if you build it, they will come. You know, you've, once your video's done, you know, that's really just the first, as you say, the first step in the process. How do you get your clients to envision the attitude of a certain platform like YouTube? There's a there's a little bit of a culture. It's wide, wide, wide ranging. And everybody's mm-hmm. watching every single kind of video you can possibly think of from different industries to pop culture, which is the biggest one, and and, and everything in between. But do you ever coach anybody to create videos that, and try to tie things in you know, to uh, celebrities or movies that are coming out or mm-hmm. whatever to make analogies that make them relevant through the thing that everybody's actually on YouTube to look at, or is that yeah, you? absolutely. I mean, and that some of that comes with your brand uh, as well. Like I did, you know, you've seen the, I'm sure you've seen the direct TV ads with Rob Lowe and and various uh, football guys yeah. that say, you know, um, don't be this me. So I did one for you know, hey, I'm Lou Barton and I make great videos, and I said, and I'm wise guy Lou Barton and I make really crappy videos, you know, so. So if you can do parody or if you can tie into culture or something that folks already know, you're going you're gonna to kind of tap into um, you know, something that's already popular, so you're going to be a little bit ahead of the game. But a lot of that has to do with you know, um, your brand. I mean, I, can, I do a lot of crazy stuff, so I can dress up as characters and things like that. There may be other businesses that don't want to do it that way, but you really have to embrace your brand and find your voice and then use that voice 
on YouTube. So you can't go and say, oh, I'm going to copy uh, Gary Vaynerchuk because only Gary's Gary and he's going to curse and do his thing. You've got to really have your own voice and your own personality on YouTube. And I think sometimes when people first go on YouTube, they feel like they have to um, be more, you know, corporate or, or stuffy or whatever. And I say, you know, that's the best place to let it all hang out and express yourself and really, you know, be you uh, is the best thing that you can do on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I, and the people who, there's the other, complete other side of, of things, which is where kids get on YouTube. Kids can be, to me now, any up to 30. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they get on and they don't know anything about all the people, the things that everybody that listens to this show already know about. They don't, mm-hmm. They don't call themselves marketers. They don't um, take courses. They don't do any of that stuff, and they're just getting on, and they're killing it. And they're killing it most of the time, I can see, despite all the little tools that you can use and all the analysis that you can do to optimize and everything else, they're Mm -hmm. just killing it by sheer popularity. And and it's not to say that anybody, like you said, you shouldn't go out and do something you can't do with your brand or that you would feel uncomfortable with or anything like that, but... Mm -hmm realize that that extreme is out there and there are elements of there are little lessons in that that I think would be very helpful to people don't you absolutely I mean I think the thing with a lot of the the YouTube celebrities is that they really don't have any inhibitions they're just going out there and and projecting their personality and not holding anything back and um, you know I'm like damn them how they make it look so easy you know but um, I know that's the thing I mean they're not really they don't maybe even know that they're branding but they're you know because they're just kind of going out there having fun being themselves they're essentially building a brand and a personality on YouTube and and I think you know YouTube loves that because um, there's just so much variety there and you know if you're the more fun and colorful you are the more followers you're going to get I mean I, I look at this. PewDiePie that my son watches all the time, and I'm like, why is it? You know, why is he getting a million views on playing a video game? You know, it's just, um, yeah, it just connects and my resonates. My son watches that, that constantly. Yeah, it just yeah. comes back to again. At the end of the day, you can have the best technology, the best platform, the best optimization, but you've got to have the content. At the end of the day, it's all about you know oh, uh, man. your message. You read my mind. It is all about the content. So one of the things you said, I hate these guys. It makes it, well, you didn't say this, but it, <laughs> I've said this before. Uh, these guys make it look so easy. The thing is, what they're doing is quite easy. And when it comes to, uh, if you've ever seen a talking head video, um, uh, Jim or something, she's really popular. Anyway, you'll notice that she says something really funny, and then it cuts. Mm-hmm. There's just a slight movement in her head. You can tell that the video got cut there. And, yeah. and what she's doing there is raw video editing. And she's mm-hmm. letting it roll, and she's not stopping the camera, and she makes mistakes, and she says things wrong, and you don't get to see any of that. All she does is then go back into the editor and cut the parts she likes together. <laughs> she never stops rolling. And yeah. it actually looks like a, a, a Hollywood editing technique. It looks like she did that on purpose, but actually she had no idea how to do it any other way. And a Hollywood mm-hmm. thing or a, a film company would say, all right, cut, let's do this whole thing from the beginning so we don't have that cut in the middle. They didn't want that. But now yeah. it's an artsy thing, and people think that. So, But the reason that she did that and she didn't stress about it is because she was 100% focused on the content. Mm-hmm. And that's why her videos are so good and people like them so much because she doesn't get out of character thinking about is the light, you know, right or yep. did I, 
she just goes for it. And then a mm-hmm. lot of people, thousands of people followed suit. When, when she got popular, uh, other people started showing up, and they had these little cut-and-jerk videos. And they're doing it on their, on their, uh, on their iPads <laughs> with video editing software that comes with the iPad. And they're just cut- the only thing you can really do there is cut stuff. And yep. so it just cuts to another thought and cuts to another thought. And so if you're looking, if anybody's looking at that kind of stuff and going, man, I can't do that. that look at that <laughs> editing. It's, so, it's not awesome. It's super easy. And she's put 99.9% of her energy into the content itself because if that isn't there, it doesn't matter how well you do with the video editing, right? Right, and those, it's like it's funny that you should mention those jump cuts because uh, you know a, a real film editor would cringe at the thought of jump cuts or you know those hard cuts, um, but mm-hmm. now it's become sort of an acceptable, <laughs> you know, uh, style basically. And even if you look at some of the the early videos that Gary Vaynerchuk did with Wine Library TV, you know the set was really crude, the lighting was awful. I mean, really, the yeah. production quality was terrible, but he had so much passion about what he was talking about and was so intent on getting his message out to the world that, you know, it just exploded. And production quality is actually anathema to success on YouTube 90% of the time. It, it seems too to be, clean yeah. and polished. I don't want to see it. It looks like I'm sure it's a commercial if it's really well done. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, that's my guttural, visceral feel for it. It's like, yeah, yeah. this is too good. It's got, they're going to sell something at the end. Or mm-hmm. they didn't think that much about the content. I think deep down we all know what something is going to be before it you know, has to play out. We've gotten really good at that because we only have so much time. And I'm ready to click somewhere else if, if I have any sense that what's about to happen might not be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ways that you can clue people into that, what that might be, whether your, your intent was that or not, is overly producing something, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if, if I'm doing a homepage video or something for a client and it's got to make a good impression, you know, that's where you want to spend the time. If you're doing an on-the-fly tips video on YouTube where you just really want to get the message out or, or you know, you um, oh, I have something to say about this whole Tom Brady Deflategate thing or whatever – then just you know do the video, focus on the message, and and don't worry about perfection because perfection is the enemy of completion, as they say. Mm-hmm. It's also got a budget attached to it that you don't have, so don't worry <laughs> about it. You can't do it anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. So awesome. Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, what are what are some things that you always want people to know? What the, the big things, and and you know what are they going to remember you by today? Like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, he had a lot of great tips, but this last <laughs> one he gave, I'm setting well, you up. Well, hopefully that, that all comes down to, you know, video marketing, any kind of marketing really is about the content and the message. And if you focus on your message and bring your passion and personality to it, you're going to be successful regardless of what editing platform you're using, what camera you're using. Uh, I mean, that's the question I get all the time. And uh, you know, what camera should I use? Like, just use what you've got with you. If it's an iPhone, great. If it's an iPad, fine. Don't stress out about the camera. Focus on your message and forget about the technology. Nice. Where do people go to find out more about you and what you do? You can just go to lubortone.com. That's L-O-U-B-O-R-T-O-N-E.com. Awesome. And really, can you elaborate a little bit more on the kinds of things, the kind of people that you want to work with, the kind of projects that you're really interested in working on right now? Sure. I work with uh, coaches, consultants, authors, speakers, 
um, basically helping them up-level their video presence and their you know, video branding, video marketing, so that they can get their message out to more people and uh, hopefully make more money. Awesome. Well, Lou, thanks so much for being here. I'm going to turn you over to Gina. I know she's got some words for you, too, but thank you so much. Thank you. Jack, you always forget my name is Gina Gaudio Graves. That's audio with a G. I am ah. not the video girl at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, without audio, you wouldn't have the video. <laughs> That's true. So it's, it's really important. There you, you go. don't think you don't. <clears throat> go ahead, Jack. I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say you you. Uh, well, that's a, one of the things that I really actually like is that um, when you guys are talking about repurposing and everything, you have two things now. When you have video, you have two things. Uh, you have video and you have audio, and there's there's the key to your repurposing. And uh, one of the things that I really like to do, like we have audio right now in the can for this interview, and I'm gonna turn it into video. And it won't be the most interesting video content, but it will get me the uh, the key to the kingdom, which is YouTube, because the only yeah. thing you can put up at YouTube is a video. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, audio is very, very important. <laughs> yeah, right. we, well, we love, love, love repurposing, though. Anytime we can take a piece of content, doesn't matter how it was created, and get it into as many of the creative formats as possible, audio, text, video, images, and slideshow, five different ones, well, shoot, that's just so much better than having to go create more content. There's already way too much of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Lou. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. And remind everyone one more time where they can find you, Lou, as we wrap up today. Just go to uh, www.loubortone.com. That's B-O-R-T-O-N-E. Thanks again, Lou. Thanks, Jack. And we will be back next week, same time, same place, for another episode of Traffic Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success. All set? Hello? Thanks.